Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. The Emmy Award-winning TV series Breaking Bad did a wonderful job of taking us into the seedy underbelly of America's dysfunctional relationship with drugs, specifically crystal meth. Although we got to see the dramatized world of Mexican drug cartels, sex workers, young addicts, and drug kingpins, Breaking Bad never showed us the gay side of meth, how gay men use the drug to break down inhibition and connect with others sexually. Stephen Strafford's new musical, Methtacular, delivers the gay side of Breaking Bad we never got to see by taking us on a hilarious but harrowing journey of his three years as a crystal meth addict living in Chicago. Today, actor Stephen Strafford joins us for a live music session playing songs from Methtacular. Listen as Stephen talks about having the courage to take some of the worst moments of his life and turn it into art. Why most meth addicts don't look like the meth addicts you see on TV. Why cute guys never have any drugs to share. And how his creative drive helped him recover from addiction. I'm Fausto Fernos. I'm Mark Fillion. And this is Feast of Fun. Feast of Fun is made possible because of financial support of people like you. Thank you. Upgrade your account today at feastoffun.com slash plus and listen to our fabulous podcast five days a week. In 2005, meth usage came to the forefront of news in Chicago. What was once considered a poor person's drug, relegated to rural America, was now affecting a whole new demographic, rich white gay men. There was a series of arrests made of who's who in Chicago, many of whom worked or served for various healthcare organizations, with the Hearts Foundation's Michael L. Jackson becoming the poster boy for this new addiction crisis. After Michael L. Jackson, the king of meth, killed a cab driver while high on the drug, an anti-drug campaign was launched. Crystal Breaks, with my drag mother, Lady Bunny, as its spokesperson. Before all this went down, actor Stephen Strafford, who had made his name in Chicago theater, fell into the grips of meth addiction himself and spent three years sexing it up with a pipe before hitting rock bottom. Surprisingly, he survived it all and has now turned his struggles with meth into a hilarious new show, Methtacular. Yeah! Musical theater, bitch! <laughs> I had to squeeze that in. Welcome to Feast of Fun, Stephen Strafford. Thank you so much. Before we started taping, we were saying that everybody who's reviewed your show has managed to shoehorn a Breaking Bad reference. Yes. Uh, well, people love a meth pun. Everybody loves to. What's your favorite meth pun? 
Um, oh, Lord. Um, uh, I like when people call um, my hope for living with meth a pipe dream. That's always a good one. <laughs> the other thing that people do sometimes is people will come up to me, random people, and they'll be like, oh, I, I always um, love to eat candy. I should have a candy-tacular. Like, everyone loves to have their own tacular. <laughs> Chocotacular. Cocktacular. What would that be like? <laughs> I'm sure that movie's been made. <laughs> well, uh, see, Larry Bomber said it was a breaking better. But you've never watched Breaking Bad. I have not. No, I kind of felt like it was one of those shows. You know, I watch enough TV and I was given the choice between that or damages. I was like, I'll watch Glenn Close. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to get up in a meth story. Well, a lot of my friends who are recovering from meth abuse or addiction, uh, they feel that watching Breaking Bad was really impossible for them to do because it was so much of a trigger for them. Yeah, I, I just I figured I heard it's great, but it's just not for me. Mm. So in doing this. In turning your three years of struggle with crystal meth into a hilarious comedy musical theater piece, did you fear that this would also cause you to relapse? Uh, it's come up to me a few times uh, for people have brought it up um, in my world, you know, saying, like, make sure that this story doesn't stop being your story, you know, um, and I think, uh, you know, I'm pretty active in my recovery. I'm pretty active in that whole world. And I'm very aware of the fact that um, drugs or alcohol for me would equal a serious, serious, um, what's the word, shitstorm, I think is the word I'm looking for. So It would be ironic that in the middle of this run of the show that you would relapse. But we uh, had a guest on our show um, who wrote a book, Dancing with Tina, mm -hmm. Terry Olds. Terry Olds. And um, he wrote a compendium to his book because after he had published it, he relapsed. Well, I have no interest in a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> no Methtacular 2. Yeah, no no franchising. Well, and I said to Fausto and our, and our friend when we came to see it, I said, if this triggers something in me and I, and I just get up and leave, I'll, I'll be okay. Just, you know, that kind of thing. Because I would imagine for some people, because you talk about, you know, and you sing about your, your meth experience, it has to be really hard for some people. What kind of reactions have you gotten from people? I've had reactions all over the board. Yeah. Um, I've had uh, mostly really positive reactions. People are really uh, wonderful after the show. Um, but we have had people walk out. Mm -hmm. You know, people um, look very uncomfortable in the audience and then just bolt. They well, look they, like, do they look like they were using? Um, well, I, I know of one story where apparently they were a couple and one I think brought the other one mm -hmm. and he wasn't really a hundred percent sure of what he was seeing and then uh. found out. And it was a whole, it was a whole thing in the audience. So like I'm doing the show up on stage and I'm, you know, doing the show saying the words, but I'm highly aware of this sort of relationship falling apart to my right. <laughs> you know, um, now, what do you do as an actor? Do you just kind of ignore it and do you, like focus on the other half of the room? Or are you just well, like, I'm watching the drum and the seats. Well, I, it's, a, it's a little bit of both. You know, there was a part of me that since I brought the show to Chicago, there's a part of me always wondering if people are trying to piece together who's who in mm -hmm. the story. Um, and so part of me in my head, I was like, oh, is that what's happening? No, that's not what's happening. I think what's happening is that he looks angry at him. Oh, he doesn't know what's going on. Oh, now he's leaving. Oh, now he's coming back. You know, I, mm -hmm. I'm just marking it. But the whole time I'm also in the story telling the story. It's that weird thing that actors have happen up on stage because you're 
your, your muscle memory knows what to say. Mm-hmm. And, and oftentimes when you get out of your own way and just let the muscle memory do it, you're better than if you're trying to like <laughs> be good, you know? Um, so it was just a very interesting, and then they wanted to speak to me afterwards, but there was a talk back. There was a whole thing, but mm. I didn't end up finding out the whole story. Well, they say that boredom is a trigger. And so if they're bored with your theater piece, you could inadvertently be <laughs> triggering people to use yeah. the drug. Luckily, that has never happened. <laughs> well, because it's a very frenetic show. Yeah, there's it, a lot going it's on. It's almost as though you're kind of channel. Is that personality that we see in the show, is, is that uh, meth, Stephen? Or is that kind of like, is that your personality the way you are? Um... It's definitely heightened. Okay. Um, I, I often say, like, it's not so far different than having a meal with me, my show. <laughs> you know, um, uh, but I certainly keep it at a high octane mm-hmm. because one of the things um, I like is to land a joke and just keep going. Mm-hmm. I also like to land tough information and just keep going. Um, because if you sit in those moments too long, I feel like it's unfair to an audience mm-hmm. um, and it starts to draw out a moment too far. And to get through three years and hit all the points I want to hit in and not keep you there for an hour and 45 mm-hmm. minutes, which is not something I wanted to do, uh, you need to keep keep it moving. So it's not as long as Angels in America, folks. <laughs> it is not. It's uh, 85 <laughs> minutes. But it moves fast. It moves fast because you're just like one thing after another, after another, after another. And you're just like, whoa, where am I looking at now? What's going on? Because you incorporate game shows, a little bit of variety show in there. Well, the star, the star of Metacular to me yeah. is the squeaky, rusted out disco mi- mylar curtain. <laughs> 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 that you yeah. bring out and it's like, ee, ee, ee. He's like, we're going to have fun now, kids. Yeah. And everyone's like, ugh. And you totally take this cheesy prop and make it sing. It make, make it turn alive. Well, you know, I think it's... I have such an affection for a time and entertainment where that was common, <laughs> you know, like those I, I talk about at the top of the show, like those old variety shows yeah. where you can often like see a boom mic coming in. Like they were just really poorly put together. The gong show. Yeah, I just yeah. loved those shows. And there was a certain amount of everyone having fun and knowing it wasn't so good. <laughs> you yeah. know, they kind of all like those, got it. Those Brady Bunch variety hour shows, they were just, they knew they were crappy. The set's about to fall apart. Yeah, and just everyone's having a good time and it, it's a little bit silly. Mm-hmm. What's well, interesting naive. that you would talk, compare your show to that because the Gong Show and the Brady Bunch variety hour and the Share Show, all the actors and performers were high on drugs. <laughs> and so this is kind of a different way. <laughs> yeah. In the sense, I mean, it's well documented that the Gong Show's host was on cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't they do a movie about that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With, um, and he was supposedly a, a CIA agent or something yeah, yeah. like that. It was crazy. Well, in real life, he was a CIA agent. I don't know. Who was doing cocaine and hosting a game show. Anyways, but, um, some people like to work. <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, and it's interesting because I was actually looking at the history of meth. Um, and it was developed as a drug to give, to uh, soldiers in World War II, um, both on both sides of the war, um, and it, they gave it to Japanese kamikaze pilots before they flew to their deaths. It makes sense to me. And so I'm not sure exactly how we got from Japanese kamikaze fighter pilots to gay sex orgies and watching porn and... Well, I know like in the 60s, a lot of women were on meth because the doctors would prescribe it as like a, as a diet 
uh, pill. I know this older woman, she's like, oh, my God, everybody, all my friends were high in the 60s. We're running around cleaning the house and thin as could be. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, one thing that's true about the TV show Breaking Bad is that uh, the manufacturing of the drug has gotten a lot cleaner and more efficient uh, over the years. And so, ironically, the... The the cost of the drug has driven it, uh, all drugs down um, and has a collective net result of driving gangs, violent gangs, out of the drug business. And because so many people are using meth or they're, you know, they could buy meth so instead they're not going to buy cocaine. So it drives all the prices down. Then there's no profit to be made in being a drug dealer. So there's less violence and actually less uh, substance abuse because nobody wants to be that weird person who will trade a blow job for a dime bag. But you did. <laughs> well, I, so much to say. Um, one, yay capitalism, I guess. Uh, two, I traded my youth for drugs. I'll say that much. How old were you when you first used uh, crystal meth? I was 22 years old. And do you mind me asking you, how old are you today? 24. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm uh, 36 years old. Okay, so you're still a spring chicken. Oh, of, of sorts. Do people look at you and be like, he looks like a math addict? <laughs> no, that's that's not happened. <laughs> no. um, the number one reaction yeah. I get from people is that, like, you don't look like you could possibly have been in that world. And it's, uh, I, and I'm, I, there were a lot of people who look like me in that world, so... You know, well, I mean, in on in the show, you do you you have this frenetic kinetic energy, and there's a manic uh, situation where you're sweating on the stage. You're talking a million miles a minute. You're going from one. So, let's actually listen to. Why don't you perform for us? Sad, 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 sad love song. So people get an idea of what mm-hmm. to expect in the show, and and how much you're literally switching from. One song to another to another in mid sentence. Yeah, that would be great. Um, you know, in in the uh, the setup for the song is that I've just arrived home and my uh, first crystal meth using boyfriend um, was Tony. there. Yes, was there with um, a uh, young uh, naked man, and I was very upset. It was the first time that had happened, and I was surprised and uh, threatened. And so I go into the shower and I begin to sing songs like a cabaret performer uh, to make him feel bad. And then I come up with this song. I turned up the water. Very hot. Some easy listening pain 
Sure, I could have come out and told him facts like loving him was all an act. But wouldn't we rather hear one more refrain of my sad, 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 sad love song? He's feeling bad, bad, bad before long when I sing my sad, sad love song. Then my words sound true. Fly the sky with my sigh and cry A note so high you'll find out why Hurting me was a really stupid move All by myself He's gonna be sad, 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 sad love song I'm feeling glad, glad, glad before long Cause I sing my sad, 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 sad love song As my sweet fuck you Stephen Strafford with Charlotte Rivard Hoster on the piano, performing live from Methtacular. Did that song work? Did you win his heart back with your sad, sad songs? I did, actually. Um, <laughs> was that a good thing, though? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, everything's a little good, a little bad. Um, I uh, I was successful in in my own way, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, it's funny, these things, I was such a kid, you know, and I just thought, like, if I just do this big dramatic thing, it'll work. And for whatever reason, probably because I was so young, <laughs> you know, it worked out in my favor. Um, yeah, but I was I was very soon thereafter taken on a big, big vacation. Uh, tell us how you actually got addicted to meth in the first, or how do you think you got addicted? Was it the fact that you were using it regularly with somebody, or do you feel like it was the first time was the well, I mean, I, I, arguably, I was already a pretty active alcoholic um, when I uh, picked up meth. Because you're an actor. <laughs> exactly. Because I'm Irish. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm anything. Fill in the blanks. Yeah. Um, because when I drank, I drank until I couldn't drink anymore. And uh, when I found meth, um, I just tried it. And for the first time in my life, I felt like there was nothing wrong with me. So that feeling was so much more than I thought could possibly exist for myself at the time. Mm. And it seemed like such a shortcut to feeling good about myself. And um, so I chased it down from that moment on. And was, uh, cause some people that say that it's like they do the drug, they stay for the sex, but they come for the sex, but they stay for the drug. Was that the case with you? Yeah, I would say so. Um, you know, uh, the, the drug ended up being more important than the sex. Certainly um, mm. in the beginning, the drug was augmenting sex, and then eventually the sex was sort of the way I got to the drug. You said in the show that cute guys are terrible for finding drugs because they're the <laughs> ones who never have any drugs. That is that is correct. <laughs> so you're at the bathhouse. Avoid the cute guys because they have no drugs. Um, I, not to say that I'm in, you know in an advisory position <laughs> in this subject, but should should from that your be personal this, experience. From, from my personal history, I would say that hot guys never had drugs. They were always competition. It's, it's interesting because I've actually been in a bathhouse and observed that happen. And I've seen this like tall, muscular, gorgeous man kind of walking around in a fog. And then there's this, you know, um, basically boss hog from the Dukes of Hazard in a towel <laughs> and goes, hey, boy, come over here to my room. You know, it opens the door. And then five minutes later, he comes out, you know, 
Yeah. Satisfied. Satisfied. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's no way they had sex for five minutes. <laughs> but the thing about it is, is like the, you know, if you're an attractive younger guy, uh, you're, and you want to do drugs, you go to, to a situation where someone's going to give it to you. Yeah, of course. You know, you know um, Mark I... used to say, he's like, do I look like I have to pay for sex? <laughs> and you could also say, do I look like I have to pay for drugs? I mean, at the I time, had people say that to me. <laughs> well, at the time, it was it was yeah. sort of I didn't even think about paying for them. To be honest, I just thought, how do I get myself into a situation where someone? If you're a woman over forty dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program. Well, give it mm-hmm. to me. How did you meet Tony? Um, the first guy you did meth with? phone sex lines. Um, we exchanged messages on a phone Was sex that line. interactive mail? Was it, I mean... I can't remember. This for history. Yeah, I don't remember what it was. Um, I, I feel bad. Phone lines still live. We were just talking about this a couple weeks ago on the show, but I don't even know if the people even use those phone lines anymore. I don't, yeah. I mean, maybe some nostalgic yeah. people do, you know, like Luddites. Let me call back to 1999 <laughs> exactly. and see what's happening. See if they'll beat me. Did you meet with a lot of people and, and they were not what they said they were? Sure. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, there was a lot, there was a lot of, there's a lot of arriving in situations and being like, oh, this isn't what was advertised. And you sort of get there and you... Uh, do all the dogs when you leave. Yeah, you make do. And, <laughs> and sometimes you meet sort of fun, interesting people, you know. So when someone said to you, do you party, you interpret it as like, sure. <laughs> you know, not, not <laughs> yeah. doing drugs. Well, uh, there were some uh, there were some terms that I didn't actually know. And I'm sure this has come up on maybe on other um, podcasts for you guys. But like, I really didn't know what water sports was. I thought they were talking about like water polo. Mm-hmm. And I thought that people were talking about like Ella Fitzgerald's catting. Oh no. <laughs> like I quite literally was like, I don't understand how this could Not get that out. much of a fan. So I, just, I could appreciate sometimes. Exactly. Like yeah, everybody loves a good scat. So nowadays people call it P and P or parting with a capital T. What did they do on the on the phone lines? Is it the same kind of thing? Or yeah, was it like people I'm doing math? People, <laughs> no, people used to say uh, party and play. Okay. That was like what people used to say, or they'd say PNP um, back in the day. And sometimes people would just say like, I'm here like having a party or something mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, so you, that's, that's where that slang came from is I'm uh, is the fact that you're having multiple groups of people over to do drugs and have a sexual experience. And that was seen as a party. And then that led to. Par, you know, and be, to clarify, was party and play. I don't Although the, the idea etymology. is the same yeah. thing, right? I don't. I don't know the etymology of it uh, mm. of, the, of that phrase. Um, but I. I do remember one thing though. I remember that at the time I was explained to. Uh, it was explained to me why it was called Tina. Mm-hmm. It was because for a while it was called. Um, it was called Chrissy, short for um, Crystal, and then it was called Christina, and then it was called Tina. And so that was like the etymology of that. And I loved that because I love words. So I was mm-hmm. like, that's fascinating. <laughs> it's always women's names that they name drugs after. Yeah, you know? that and boats. Molly, marijuana. Mary Jane. Yeah. Mary Jane. 
And and so uh, Ed, so Tony, the relationship didn't work out. No, it didn't. Did you guys like um, when you guys were having sex with each other and watching? This is uh, what year are we talking here? Uh, so this would be um, 2001, a lot of 2001. So there was no um, high-definition video players. No, What did you watch? There was no high-definition TV sets back then. No, uh, we went to the store, and we would, get, uh, we would rent DVDs, and we would bring them <laughs> back, and we would watch them. So it wasn't VHS tapes that you were popping There in. were some VHS okay. tapes holdovers, you know, uh, certain favorite mm-hmm. tapes of people. Uh, they, you know, kept them and th- th- those would stay. Because for the listeners that might not understand what's going on, you're talking about watching porn and that's part of... Which is of, a key component of the Which is a key drugs. component of doing Crystal is you, you go over, you, s- you typically smoke it. I mean, some people slam it, which is... Well, there's uh, four ways, uh, five ways to do it, I researched. Five ways? Oh. Uh, not personally researched, but it's uh, you snort it. You uh, slam it or, or inject it. Mm-hmm. You smoke it. You uh, in, uh, ingest it mm-hmm. like a pill. And then the fifth one. Do you want to know what it is? Uh, would that be a booty bump? It yeah. is. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Because in your show, you actually have a game show segment. Yeah, I sure do. <laughs> that would be a great one. That could be a tiebreaker, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Five ways you can inject, <laughs> consume this drug. Mm-hmm. And what was your favorite way to consume it? Um, the one I was always searching for was injecting. I, it was the one that, uh, by the end especially, um, because once I felt that, the rest of it was sort of like, okay, sure, sure, sure. Can we get to this big one? Can we get to the big thing? Um, I also actually liked ingesting it as well. I used to put, the it, pill. In, put it in water, actually, and, and drink it. Mm. What was the uh, experience of drinking it like? Um, it was just a longer, a longer process. Um, it was more like if I was going to go try to be social while doing the drug, that's what I would do. So you bring it in like a little bottle and put a couple of drops into your cocktail. You drink it before you go because it lasts for hours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you feel like it, it, uh, I mean, it made you chattier or it made you feel more confident, right? Well, you know, I mean, it didn't make you bored. No, I, I certainly wasn't bored, but also, you know, by very quickly into it, I was doing it enough that I was paranoid a decent amount of the time. So I just started, unless I was pursuing sex in a place where I knew that you could pursue sex, I was pretty much useless. You know, I couldn't really have a conversation with someone. I wasn't one of those people like Julianne Moore's character in Boogie Nights. Like, I wasn't mm-hmm. having that sort of, like, conversation, conversation, conversation. I just wasn't that guy. I, I understood how to do the drug and go have sex. And if I had to do other things, I I was very confused and then ultimately usually very paranoid. That surprises me because you seem like a very performative kind of person. And one of my good friends who, you know, just uh, adores meth is also kind of very performative. And so when you go and hang out with him and he's, you know, high on meth, it's just like, it's a show. It's, it was kind of like when I saw you perform, it was reminding me very much of my friend who was who when you go over to his house, he pulls out the puppets, puts on the wigs and does all that kind of stuff. But you were much more chill. Well, he talked about us on the podcast. Do you want to say his name? I mean, it's it's public information. Well, it's not germane to this okay. part of the story. But okay. yeah. Should I say his name? Well, go ahead. Brian Heckler. Brian Heckler. Right. So you guys can listen to his story of how he became HIV positive and went into Diamond World Spiral uh, with drugs and crystal meth on the mm-hmm. podcast if you search Brian Heckler. Um, well, I would say that uh, what happened often for me is that if I were alone with, uh, say, my boyfriend at the time, mm-hmm. I would be silly and fun, especially with Tony in the story. There was a lot of that. Um, there was a lot of sort of being silly and making up characters for mm-hmm. each other and like doing things like that. There was a certain element of fun. I wasn't, I was also at that point, not regularly injecting it. You know, I was still uh, using it on a lighter scale. Uh, later on, it had sort of the inverse effect 
on me, I started to really shut down. You know, my natural state, um, I am very chatty and very open and very mm -hmm. uh, talkative. And I started to doubt all of the words I was going to say. You know, I always felt like I was going to sound stupid or not part of the scene. I also had the problem that, like, people in that world were really into things like club music and I was into Joni Mitchell and it was like, I didn't have that currency of, mm -hmm. of a common ground. Often people wanted to go to a club and I was like, no, thanks. I would, I really hate it there. I mean, I really hated clubs mm -hmm. and they would travel in packs. You'd see them. Mm -hmm. You could always tell like who was on which drugs, like the people on meth were over here. The people that were on ecstasy were over here. Well, and even to this day, like people yeah. are using all kinds of drugs at the, at the gay beach and, I call them the the sheep because they all kind of gather around and face each other, but they don't really talk to each other. Well, sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's not it. There, it shuts off all ability for any sort of real connection eventually, in, in my opinion. Like you just stop being able to actually like reach out and have any empathy at all. You know, and that's kind of like the, the draw of it, though, is the ex, the opposite, because a lot of people use it because of the sense of euphoria. But then also, too, they feel as though they can get a sense of intimacy when they have sex and get the kind of sex that they want to have that they might not be able to get if they're not high. But uh, eventually down that road somewhere it, that flips. For right. some people. Yeah, it certainly did for me. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and certainly it's like, it's not even that they're getting the sex that they want to have, is that the sex that they're getting isn't as bad as they think it is. You know? <laughs> is, that, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, it's like, well, I, you know, if I was sober, mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't have sex with this person, but since I'm high, why the hell not? Well, that's part of it, though, too. And so it's like often, too, when you do the party and play thing, it's not you're just having sex with one person. You're often having sex with, like, a group of people, and maybe you probably wouldn't have sex with a group of people if you weren't high. Yeah. Um, what do you feel is the biggest misconceptions, especially in interviews and, and the fact that you've been sort of, like, performing... You've been performing the show for about a year now, right? Uh, a little bit longer than that, actually. Yeah. Um, first show we did of this uh, was in May of 2012, so about... Two and a half years. What are the really stupid questions the theater reviewers are asking you? Because <laughs> I know they're saying stupid shit to well, you. Well, let me go on record saying I love all theater reviewers. <laughs> I respect their work. And I think they should all come see Meptacular. Oh, they should. And, and I really appreciate all that they have to say that's positive. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, people, you know, it, the meth puns get to be a thing. Um, the... Uh, what else do people What's the say? biggest, do they say, like, you don't look like a math addict? Yeah, people say that. I what mean, are they, and then what are they expecting? They're expecting you to have burns on your face? or? Well, I think there are people, Some there are some people who come to see, pardon me, there are people who come to see the show who feel like they want to see it be darker and grittier, and they want me to have more repercussions. And um, You want to be punished the sinner, I which think is so. a Hollywood... Uh, motif right if you have somebody who's like in a world of sex and mm -hmm. drugs they yeah. they gotta punt they have, you have to, to pay. be punished something had to happen and, 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 and they want to they want to hear about the what is it the the ounce of flesh mm -hmm. pound of flesh pound of flesh, yeah. pound of flesh. you know they want to hear about that and um so and, when you reveal to the audience that you're hiv negative Everybody in the, I mean, I, when we were sitting there, everybody was like, what the fuck? 
Well, are you, just for the record, I, are you still HIV negative? <laughs> I, I, I am. Because <laughs> our friend who were with, who's positive, was just like that fucker. <laughs> How did he have all that sex and stay negative? Drugs and, and I don't know. You know, I, I, I will never know. And for a long time, I really wrestled with survivor's guilt. I wrestled with the feeling of like uh, somehow. I just felt really gross about that fact, to be quite honest, because so many people I had known and spent time with were, were positive and 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 they were dealing with it. But um, I, you know, when I decided to put that into the story, it was uh, with a lot of apprehension mm-hmm. because I don't want to alienate anyone, but it's the truth. And it really spurred my mother to tell me to do something with my life. And for the rest of the part of that, uh, that part of the show, I'm talking about next things that are coming up, mm-hmm. and it really was a great impetus for for things to come. So I could say, how, how how's your mother responded to the show? Because she's uh she's actually part of it in video interviews. Yeah, she um came to the show in New York, and she had ideas. <laughs> she gave you notes. Yeah, basically, mom gave you notes. Yeah, my mother um has. You're like, mom, this is why I started using it in the first place because of this kind of behavior. <laughs> what is those that? Were, that? <laughs> those were not my Lucia words, mom. Ball and- <laughs> Mame? Or is it? Kidding. What? what is the the uh, the musical where the Gypsy, Gypsy where the Rose Lee? Lee. Oh okay. yeah, no, not not quite. Mama Rose. But um, my Mama mom Rose, yeah. has been was very supportive of my whole career and uh, always um, though was critical as well. Like it's just her nature is to be very honest. She's mm-hmm. very straightforward. And I, when she came to see it, she was very proud of me and she thought it was very good and and she thought it was very funny and she found herself laughing. It was hard for her because it was you know surreal to sit and watch this. Uh, story that she lived more than anybody else besides mm-hmm. me and uh she but she did she had some ideas mm-hmm. and i actually took one of them so what was her <laughs> advice that she was giving you well unsolicited well uh there the game show um used to happen in two parts sure there was um the first part was where it happens in mm-hmm. in now and the second part came pretty much right before the end and it was the speed round the person came back up on stage and there was a speed round and she felt, and so did actually my agent in New York said the same thing, um, that it was really copping out for the audience. Like, cause mm. I was, I was scared that the audience would somehow hate me at that point or something like that. And I didn't even think that's what it was. But then once it was said to me by my mother, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, oh, that's, that is kind of I'm what I'm doing. I'm glad you removed that, that part. Yeah. Yeah, I, well, I would have not it, liked it's it. All, the speed it's all, yeah, yeah, it's all part of yeah. the one game show in the middle, mm-hmm. which I like because the, the reason we put in the game show, and I'm still really happy about it, is you know there's a lot of talk of a lot of things. Some are reference points to pop culture. Some are talk of you know, drugs and sex that people feel a little, I think, like, I don't know about this thing mm-hmm. he's talking about. But when the game show happens, it happens for all of us. It's improv. It's live. We all get to share it. Mm-hmm. And so it's a moment for all of us it, in the audience, too, I think, to come together and be in the same moment now. Mm. And I think that's a nice thing before we dive into the darker, you know, half of the story. What I love, too, is uh, going to the audience. I, it was uh, a lot of older women were there to see her perform. And, uh, you know, here is a, a look at a young gay man who uses meth and has lots of sex with uh, different people for years on end. And I'm thinking to myself, God, how do these women relate to it? Well, but they I, seemed like the reaction to it was very positive. Um, all of the saints, you know, mm-hmm. the saints are the the people who volunteer at all the mm-hmm. theaters. Um, they're uh, often um, women of a certain age. And they uh, all have been so positive about the show and said, I laughed so hard. And, and you know, to be honest, I, I'm pretty... 
I, I remind people of their nephews or their mm-hmm. grandchildren or those things because I'm um, generally very affable and, and, and nice, you know, mm-hmm. but um, I think also it I take great pains in the beginning to keep the show as light as possible so that we all sort of come along before we drop into a dark thing and then we come back out and mm-hmm. then we drop a little further. And I think I I like to believe I care for the audience and I think our our my female audience members appreciate that mm-hmm. I, I'm, do you think they get just how much drugs and sex you had do you think they understand the like because when you're doing meth and you're doing it like daily or weekly it's like it's a lot of guys it's a lot of guys um know? i try to i try to lay it in in certain places mm-hmm. you know um in the story i try to say um there's one point where i you know i pick up all i steal these drugs and i'm doing them and i say that i hit the phone lines i hit the internet and i hit the bathhouse and i have sex with many 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 men mm. i try to really <laughs> lay in at that <laughs> moment like this is a lot of people and that's one day yeah. like and if you can if if i think people hear that and sort of backtrack a bit mm-hmm. in their heads how know? how many people did you at the most did you have sex in one day <laughs> I was not expecting this question. <laughs> well, you just brought well, it up. To it I, I certainly, to. I certainly did bring it up. Um, I mean, a lot um, more than ten, more, more than twenty. I don't think more than twenty. Um, so fifteen. I would say, I would say, I don't know, somewhere, somewhere in. It wasn't like Dawson's fifty load weekend. I, I, I was not like that. <laughs> no. uh, I guess you're in the process of getting him well, on the he, show. He started talking to me on Scruff, and so I'm just kind of like, are you the Dawson of the 50 Load Weekend, Dawson? He's like, that's me. And and this is the question <laughs> I asked Dawson, and I asked you, after number 12, 13, 14, you know. You're, it's never enough. When, when do you realize, never. like, maybe this is too much? Or is, are there any kind of like nagging well, doubts now, in your head? You know, I mean, now I, I look back and say, well, one would have been fine, huh? <laughs> um, three or four, but, but I, um, 15? You know, I just, uh, when you're at that point, you know, when you're in the place where you're hitting those sorts of numbers in 24 hours, and listen, I don't, I mean, there are some people who are different. I shouldn't say you. Mm-hmm. When I hit that point, I was not, I was a shell of me. I was a pile of biology. Is what I was. Mm. I wasn't me. So how did you think that you were able to come out of this where some other people destroyed them? Like Michael L. Jackson, for example. I think a lot of it is luck. You know, I was really lucky. I, um, you know, my my own sort of childish narcissism made me break up with my drug dealer boyfriend. Um, My inability to hold down a job made me run out of money. And then I had a mom who let me come back and live with her um, and gave me an ultimatum that I believed. You know, she said if I did drugs one more time in her apartment that she would kick me out. She would never talk to me again. And luckily, I still loved my mom a lot, you know, and I believed that. And so I just sort of said, okay, I can't do that. And at the time, though, you know, you have to know, I didn't uh, just get sober and it was a miracle. I just picked up drinking really, really hard. And um and then had another four years of really um, socially acceptable, but uh, alcoholic drinking. That must have been hell for your mother to see her son uh, struggle with meth and then go into recovery, but then turn to alcohol again. And Well, I didn't go into recovery right away. Okay. I, went, I went to a therapist and that therapist... It, it, 
you know, it's neither here nor there, but he said, you don't need to worry about the drinking. You just need to worry about the drugs. And so he was well-meaning and um, I was like, great. (laughs) And so I was drinking. And to be quite honest, um, the repercussions of my drinking, I was far better at keeping secret than um, the repercussions of my drug use. So my, when I got sober completely, it was a bit more of a surprise to my loved ones. They didn't um, realize that the drinking was that. Was control. it hard to relate to other people in recovery? No. Uh, well, sometimes, <laughs> like anywhere, um, it's, it can be difficult to relate to people. But uh, some of my dearest friends now are people I, I've known through recovery. I mean, really, and just like some of my most wonderful people in my life. What's it like the dark humor? Because uh, people who are in recovery, they're all like... You know, there's some really twisted, fucked up shit you say to each other. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, I mean, the thing is, like, you can say anything that you did yeah. in uh, in in any sort of setting of recovery and people just laugh, you know, because they're like, yep, got it, did it, was there, totally did that, did worse, you know. And, and mm-hmm. so there's a certain amount of feeling like war buddies, I think. You may not have done it actually with that person, but they know where you were. They know what you went through. And so there's a certain amount of if you don't laugh. I always worry for the people who are in recovery who don't know how to laugh mm. because you, you've got to or or you're just going to uh, you can't cry that much. You just can't physically do it. You know, eventually you have to learn how to laugh as well. Well, we were ta- Mark and I were talking about your life, you know, uh, as we do. All the time yes. <laughs> um, after seeing your show. And, and, and I was thinking to myself, as like, what what is it that was able Stephen to transcend this this very destructive experience? And I think it's definitely not just a, that you had strong family connection, but you had a drive to create something as an actor and as a performer. And so that 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 always was the uh, the lifeline that kept you from staying there. And, and we've known people who have struggled with crystal meth and addiction and not survived. Yeah. You know, it's taken their lives. Yeah, I know. I mean, I definitely found out about a few people, people's passings that were, you know, close to me during my, my drug use. And um, I, I do think that's interesting about the, you know, I haven't really thought through it, um, but about the creating thing. You know, one thing, uh, a story that got cut from the show is that on that last birthday, the birthday, I talk about this birthday mm-hmm. that my drug dealer boyfriend misses and I, you know, this whole thing. But um, the his non-sexual life partner, you know, who lived in the same apartment, um, he that birthday gave me uh, he had named a star in the sky after me oh, because sweet. he had seen me perform. And he said, if you pull yourself together, you can go do something. This is the drug dealer. No, this is the drug dealer's non-sexual life partner. Larry. Did he also mm-hmm. use or did not use? Um, There there was use, but he was not um, he was not an, an addict like that. Mm. It was different. There, there's a you have a song on the show, a day in the life of a number two wife. I do. It's um uh, when I've moved in with uh, Ed, the drug dealer, and his non-sexual life partner Larry, I uh, have taken on this role. And and there used to be a whole introduction that got cut from it. Um, that was about Amy Tan and her work and how like she <laughs> taught me <laughs> why Amy Tan. Well, Amy Tan wrote Who's Amy Tan. She wrote the Joy Luck Club. Oh yes, and you so number one quality. Well, there was a number. <laughs> there's a number two wife in there, and yeah. so like so there was a whole thing. It was like a Noel Coward intro, but it got cut. But um, and so it's all about uh, what it's like to be sort of the concubine in the in the relationship. 
get up at noon and I shower for just about an hour. I sing the songs of Porter and Kern. La la la, la 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 la, la 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 la. I'm primped. I look pretty, still humming a little ditty from a show that I'm trying to learn. As number two wife, I enjoy my new life. I can sing in the shower all day. If Ed's needs are met, well then I am all set. My youth will keep earning my stay. And it's la 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 in the bathroom, <laughs> in the bedroom. I'm living the life of a number two wife, and I'm on top of the world. Oh, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, how can this possibly work out? But look at Mormons. They seem happy. I keep it light. I keep it simple. And when I smile, I show my dimple. And Ed fills my every last need. And if sometimes I get lonely when Ed is with Larry only, I go to him with a plan that's guaranteed. I sing la la la, la time for drugs now, la la la, la time for sex. I'm living the life of a number two wife and I'm on top of the world. Problem number one, Ed and I have begun fairly regularly mainline injecting crystal meth. Maybe this isn't the best situation. My guest starring role leaves me cold. But Larry could soon be the X and Y. I'm great sex. My goods are not old like Larry's. Problem number two. I've fallen in love with Ed, and he's begun telling me he's going to leave Larry and get his own apartment with me. Drug break. Day break. Drug break. Daybreak. Stop. Drug break. Drug break. After our fifth threesome and sixth fight, Ed leaves my side. It's Monday night, and I'm left singing all alone. After giving me a ride, he sleeps by Larry's side. And Dick confirms what I have always known. They'll still be here when I'm a memory. I've been just a bit of ephemery. I'm nothing but a flash in their pan. And before they sleep, I hear laughter from their happily ever after face of facts. Ed is Larry's man. La la la. la, 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 la. Problem number three. Ed and Larry have gone on a vacation and I'm explicitly not invited. I'm high, alone, and pissed. And I'm living the life of a number two wife and... Steven Strafford, Methtacular, is running here in Chicago at the Wit Theater for the month of September on 
Saturday? Theater yeah. Wit. Theater, theater Wit. Wit. At Theater Wit. It's about Face Theater's production. Wit Theater. It's not. It's Theater Wit. Theater, theater Wit. Wit. Why don't they call it Wit Theater? Well, that would be lovely, wouldn't it? Well, that makes a lot of more sense. <laughs> theater companies. Sheesh. It's directed by Adam Fitzgerald. How did you uh, approach Adam to shape this into a musical show? Like, what, what was kind of like the first conversation that you had with him? Well, it happened over a long period of time. Uh, originally, I thought I was writing these David sedaris sort of essays. Yeah. And then I read them to friends. They were like, you should make it into a show. And I was like, that's stupid. I will not do that. Um, I don't want to get up in front of people and tell people because I had a musical theater career that I felt decent about. And I, that's not the easiest way to get musical theater jobs, telling people they used to do tons of meth. <laughs> it's not the hardest, but it's not the easiest way. <laughs> and so um, and then we started to shape it into maybe something that might be a show because I started to believe people when they said it could be a show and then it started to get bigger than me and i approached adam uh adam's actually my ex uh we had been together for four years and we had already broken up by the time we started working on this but um and i just really respect him and i know he knows me and i know that he respects me and my story so i kept um working with him and then a friend of mine said that we should add music again i thought it was a dumb idea but it got in my head and so we started doing it and it just kept growing like that. And um, he is, I credit him with all the editing. Mm. You know, when I talked earlier about it being, I don't want it to be an hour and 45 minutes. The first time we did a staged reading of it, it was an hour and 52 minutes. Wow. And and it didn't have the intro section and the out section. Like it was, it, I just had so much that I thought needed to be told. And Adam is a genius in talking to me, at least about you don't need to say this again. You said it. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though that this, you know, the detail like, about but it's so important. Well, like the detail about Larry buying me a star in the sky. You know, he'd be like, it's at that moment in the story. It's too much of a right turn. We, I already say the thing about him wishing me luck and he meant mm-hmm. it. And that's enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it's enough. People get it. So it's like we don't need to beat them over the head. What else didn't make it into the show? Because I'm sure over three years you have lots of stories. Um, yeah, there's um, there's a story called Rinse, Meth, Repeat. <laughs> Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on. And the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Um, <laughs> I get with the meth puns. <laughs> yep. About, um, about a guy that I hooked up with on uh, numerous occasions who we didn't like each other. Um, it's actually available on the Story Club website. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then there's also... Um, so you didn't, you didn't like him... But oh, yeah. you did it because he gave you drugs? Well, or? no, it was that we just kept thinking that the other one sounded attractive on the phone sex lines. And then we would show up at each other's place and be like, oh, jeez, it's you. you. And then we would spend time together because one of us had drugs. You know what I mean? So, like, we would just sort and of. And you'd do it out. or you wouldn't do it? We wouldn't do it. Like, we okay. would sort of, we would sort of like, <laughs> you know, kind of. Like, we'd sort of be like, oh, I'll try. And then it wouldn't work out. Well, you want to jerk off to porn? It's like, it just it was like not <laughs> even worth it. And we would just sort of sit there, like, not liking each other. But, and then we would meet in, um, public you know like people would introduce us and we would pretend that we had never met we never <laughs> talked about it but we just kept pretending that oh, we never hi. met oh uh, it's nice to meet you it was so weird and so um and then when i got back to new york i went to an std clinic and they were showing um a dvd um about um stds and he was on it he was on a 
As what? As what? Like typhoid like, Mary? Like, as someone like <laughs> as someone who used meth and had like STDs. It was about like don't do don't do meth because you'll get STDs. And and like <laughs> so I you was, dodge a bullet. Well, I was. I mean, listen, I I got a couple of them. <laughs> like when I went to uh, get tested in in New York, when I got back, I had uh, rings on my feet. Like, um, which is apparently a sign for stage two syphilis. The nurses in the STD clinic were thrilled. They were like, oh, quite really? literally, this is what happened. The one nurse was like, Anita, Anita, come in here. And then Anita <laughs> came in, looked at my feet and paused and went, surely, surely come in here. And then I had these three nurses all looking at my feet. Oogling at yeah, your diseased like, body. Yeah, just really fascinated. And then um, I was given a lot of penicillin and I read the fifth Harry Potter book. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Because the penicillin kind of knocked you knocked out. Knocked me something. out for like yeah, a day and a half. Holy cow. Uh, yeah. Do you think that uh, the stigma against meth actually keeps people from coming forward and taking action. Uh, a lot of people have this idea is that, that, that the anti-meth ads are so intense that they're, they actually um, scare people from coming forward to taking, going into recovery, to taking measures to heal. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I truly believe in one thing, that the more people who are talking about it, the more people who will come into recovery for it. I really mm-hmm. believe that. Like, I don't, I'm not, a, you know, a lot of people ask me all these questions about like meth and the gay community. I was like, I don't know. I don't know a lot about that, to be quite honest. I know about my story and um, I don't know about the larger macro issues, but I do know that the more times I am open and telling my story, um, the more people come up to me. You know, and say, you know, like I went through this thing and, and I don't know quite how to deal with that. And I talk about how I dealt with it. And then, you know, I just feel like your show is much more effective in in getting us to think healthy about our relationship to drugs than, you know, this is your brain on drugs and smashing a frying pan in the kitchen and (laughs) stuff like that. You know, I had someone come up to me. I was at Halstead Street Market Days and I was um, handing out, you know, flyers for the show. And I had someone come up to me and be like, oh, do you give out meth at the end of the show? And I was like, already. I'm like, oh, you're great. So I was like, so I said, no, no, it's not that sort of show. And he goes, oh, is it that sort of show? And I was like, oh, God, this guy. Mm -hmm. And so I just took a deep breath and I said, actually, I don't give a shit if you do meth. What I do care about is that people should tell their stories honestly and shine mm-hmm. lights on their ugliest things. Because if you do that, then it doesn't stay ugly. And you that's know, kind of like the theme of most recovery programs like AA or uh, you know Crystal Meth Anonymous is people get up and they tell your story. And in some ways, you kind of almost feel like you're at some kind of meeting when you see your show because you're like, here's a guy and he's telling his story. It just happens to be very entertaining. And there's songs, you know, you know? And, it's, and ultimately and, and in the end, I really hope that like the, the thing that people get from it is sort of like the meta message of the whole show is that mm-hmm. like this is how I go about shining light on my stuff. I take all the things I love and I shine them on this dirty, ugly, what used to be shameful mm-hmm. part of my life. And because I combine all of those things in the end, what we're left with, hopefully what you're all left with when you're watching the show is now I'm just me mm-hmm. singing this song totally sincerely, 36 years old, all of this is part of me, this is who I am, and mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with me. And, but, you, yeah. and you, have, you, you have a fiancé now, you're engaged to be married to a I gentleman. Am. I am. And I'm sure he's seen the show, and uh, what does he think of uh, your history? You know, he show. saw the show, uh, like a reading of the show, probably about a month and a half, two months into dating me. Oh, really? And I was, I was like, well... 
here you go because if you're going to get on board, you're going to hear all this. You have a wedding ring on. You. I have a. Yeah, we, it's like an engagement ring. We just uh, we put it on our right. Uh, right Where's ring. mine, Mark? We'll get you one. <laughs> this is a street ring. It wasn't. Let <laughs> it me was see like, it. It was like just on the street, and this is where I sound fancy. On Girl, the street, this is like man out of gold. On the street, <laughs> where in Barcelona? Ooh, in Barcelona. You, you must have had to sell a lot of meth to get that ring. <laughs> he didn't sell meth. Oh, that's he right. Was young. They gave it to him for free. They gave it to you for free. If you were to become a, like a meth addict today, how would that be different? <laughs> well, he's um, older, so he'd have to buy it. Oh, I would have to pay for it. I would quite honestly say um, that the sadness attached to it would color it. I was very naive. You know, I was so naive. So it was all so new. It was mm-hmm. a drug I had never heard of because you thought you would like a lot of people you thought you were doing like a line of cocaine yeah well i asked i was like it's like coke and he was like yeah and i was like okay and i had just tried coke for the first time a week before with a friend Mm -hmm. you know so like i was like okay sure i just did this thing i'm hip you know i've got this thing i'm groovy And, and then i uh you know felt this thing and it was unlike anything i'd ever felt before and i think if i were to go back to that it would be because i had long since given up before that did you uh, get into it because you wanted to get with the guy and the guy wanted you to do it? Or were you just like into it because it, doing drugs was exciting? I I think a little bit of both. I was with this guy. I, I didn't know 100% that that's what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I knew that something was like, I knew he was like a little bit like edgy. And I went over and he was attractive enough, you know, and he presented this drug and I was excited to try it. You know, um, I was at the time... Excited to try any drug. Because sometimes I've been in situations where it's like, people can be so annoying, there's no drugs in the world that will make not <laughs> make them not be annoying. That's the truth. You know? And do you feel like of the friends that you had when you were doing meth, that they were still real friends to a certain extent? I mean, there, there were people you cared about and then you related to. Because you always hear in these kind of like anti-drug campaigns, it's just like, your meth friends are not real friends. And and you talk to addicts and they're all like, well, yeah, these people were my family at the time. Yeah. I mean, I will say, you know, in, there were a lot of things I learned about being an adult while still being a drug addict. You know, um, I learned how to like do chores and things like that, like because I was a part of this sort of, uh, you know, odd household with a drug dealer and his non-sexual life partner. But I had responsibilities in the house and I and I kept them. And that was something that, you know, I know that I learned from living in that, like what it was to be in an adult household and actually do what you say mm-hmm. you're going to you're do. Like, I have to clean the bathroom. It's my turn. Like, exactly. It. Like it was like that. And whereas I, I lived with roommates before and just sort of been like, no, like I just hadn't. I never did stuff. Do people that do math have clean apartments or are they usually messy? Well, I mean, they. they you, a lot of times they're kind of like fixated and they can get things accomplished. Like stoners like live like slobs. Yeah, um, I know? would say uh, I went over one guy, uh, a drug dealer's apartment that was like covered from, I mean, it was covered everywhere with like toys. There were mm-hmm. just like toys everywhere. It was terrifying. What, what kind of toys? Like sex toys? Or no, no, I mean like toys. kids toys. It was terrifying. But um, like McDonald's kind of? Like superhero stuff. Hmm. Okay. And then... um. But in my instance, like my thing, we had these so funny to talk about. So I had these (laughs) shelves, um, these visible shelves of all of my clothes. And I would spend like two to three hours taking them down, refolding them, putting them back up in a new way and then taking them down, refolding them, putting them back up for two to three hours, you know, just like 
unable to stop because it wasn't right. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that way, it was tidy. You know, <laughs> um, it, you know, it, it was certainly well. Because I was organized. like, do I clean the house? I'm like, like before you came, because I'm like, it's Labor Day. I don't care if it's a little messy or not. Yeah, the, <laughs> the thing about it is, like, I, I just threw out my back earlier today, and and the house is a little bit messy, and I'm like, he's gonna think we're addicts. <laughs> <laughs> that was not what I thought. But is is that a situation that you ever find yourself in, and you're like? She's in recovery. Like you're trying to clock, like the way that gay men or transgender people clock each other, they try to like spot each other out in the world. Well, there's certainly there's certainly things that you can say mm-hmm. um, that are definite. Like you hear someone talk and you're like, "Yep, got it. I know what you're talking about." Um, there's stuff that you hear. What and- is it that you hear? Like, um, the- like lots of things that I don't necessarily like when they go, "Yeah, bitch." Musical theater, bitch. That's that is that is possibly one of them. Okay, because that character of Jesse Pinkman on Breaking Bad did, in some sense, capture what a lot of addicts' personality and behavior are. Even though the word you know science, bitch, or the phrase became a catchphrase. I, I mean, you even were aware of it, and you didn't watch the show. I mean, I knew, I knew the, I, I, I know of the show, but I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm so uh, consider making musical theater bitch a T-shirt to sell. <laughs> I will consider it. That would work. That would sell very well. Again, uh, check out Methtacular here at Theater Wit, uh, running on on Wednesdays through Saturdays at seven thirty, and then Sundays at four. Yes. Till September 28th. You're doing this four days a week. Five. Five days a week. Yes. That's his job. Girl, that's exhausting. (laughs) You need a little little math to to do the show. I mean, do you ever feel like, because I was sitting there in the audience, I was like, if if you were on meth, we wouldn't know the difference. I mean, maybe. I I think you would. You would? Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny. Because you're so wired and so... Believable, yeah, but it's um, uh, you know, if I were doing math, I probably wouldn't be at the theater. You would show, <laughs> I wouldn't up, show the... up to have, you know, moments of vulnerability in front of people. But you've seen this, in, in, and we've seen this in entertainers, especially people who are like get their careers thrusted by reality television, and suddenly they find themselves in the throes of having to perform seven days a week. Mm-hmm. And so they turn to drugs like meth and cocaine and alcohol as a way just to to show up and be on. Well, sure. I, I mean, people, as long as there are difficult things to do, people are going to look for shortcuts to be able to do those difficult things. And what's your shortcut now that you don't have the drugs and the alcohol? Um, cookies are big <laughs> in my life. So you so you binge on like snacks before doing the show? To, oh no no no! Before the show, I'm or... actually decent. No, just I mean, I just get nervous. You know, I still get nervous, and people are you know when people are out there and they want to see the show, and every show is so different. You know, I get out there, and sometimes the first few jokes are crickets, and sometimes the first few jokes are like huge hysterics, like sitcom, you know, mm-hmm. uh, laugh track last and then other shows people are leaning forward and really into the serious stuff so i'm navigating who these people are and how best to tell the story that night so that's a huge rush also i cannot overstate how awesome it feels to tell a joke about your own life to an audience and have them laugh Mm. that is you know i've been an actor and doing other people's jokes for years you know, I play a lot of funny parts and you get laughs and it's cool and it's sort of yours, but it's not really yours. And when it's your words, it's yours. Mm-hmm. And there is something that happens between me and an audience, which is just the coolest thing that's ever happened for me on stage. 
and I love it. I love it so much. So it amps me up. Um, usually about like 20 minutes into the show, I can usually level out to a place. Um, follow Methtacular on Facebook, facebook.com slash Methtacular. And if you guys uh, want to read more about people's real life adventures in the world of addictive drugs, uh, check out reddit.com slash drugs. It's a non-judgmental forum to talking about how to find the drugs, how to use them, and how to survive them. And also, uh, the AIDS Foundation of Chicago has a really great website, tweaker.org. <laughs> really? <laughs> which uh, has um, about uh, fun facts about crystal meth and our lives mm-hmm. and sex, true stories and resources, and how to get help if you are struggling with uh, drugs. Or if you just want to know how to do more of them. <laughs> that joke went... <laughs> Well, Reddit Drugs is very pro, very pro drugs, but it's also they're it's having, not very pro drugs. They're it's having neutral. a conversation yeah. about it, and so that's the the really the more important thing is is to is to talk about it, converse about it, and then you know see where you're at with it because you actually got off Crystal without actually entering a recovery program at the time. At the time, yeah, and yeah. Then but I picked up drinking. But you picked up drinking, full, and, full and some people can leave it, and other people you know need a little help, and there's nothing wrong with asking for help and and just finding out more information about where you're at and what you want to do. Oh, I just realized through tweaker.org, there's a, a, a way to consume meth, a sixth way called hot railing. Yeah, sure. Do you know what that is? Yeah. It's when you heat up a, a, a glass tube and then snort it. So it's like snorting smoke. Oh, because the, the, uh, the drug vaporizes Indeed. through the heat of the tube. That is the truth. Uh, well, what's the, why not just uh, smoke it? It's just, you know, people get bored. They I think they want to do different. something different. So well, it's so. also too. It depends on how you what you what you've got going on because like that kind of thing you can probably do over a stove. And right? why? And why do people make bongs out of apples? You know, it's people get bored. I think honestly, like my bong's like, made out of a pickle jar. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're on Twitter as well. I am on Twitter. Yeah. What What is the yeah, account <laughs> at Stephen Stratford? Okay. Right. Um, my last name is uh, Stratford with two F's. It's Doctor of Farts backwards, and um, <laughs> so that's how you know how to spell it. And you can also follow the show at Methtacular. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> yes, is that, is that your real last name or is that your stage name? That's my real last name. I was born <laughs> into of that. Farts. Doctor of farts. Oh, I think we have a title for the show now. Yep. Oh, <laughs> but you know, actually, before I don't want to lose this, uh, end this, but you were on a train going back home because you had lost your ID, and there was a, a homeless man in the in the drinking cart, and he said something about. Streetcar. This named- man, yeah, this man um, was wild eyed. He surveyed the group we were in. He landed on me in this like smoking car of the train. He landed on me with these like this bloodshot stare and he stared right into me. It felt like he was staring into my soul. And he said, we should call this the streetcar named undesirable. (laughs) It was was a very good description of where we were. Yay, Amtrak. Steven Strafford, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye.
Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.